0: trading
1: heavily since quarantine started and I was shocked by this. Uh, I personally did invest in AMC and Nokia. Those are two of the stocks that the Reddit guys and the Wall Street Bets
2: guys were pushing, I believed in the power of the internet. When I saw what uh, Robinhood was doing, ironically Robinhood take from from the rich and give to the
1: poor even though they do the (laughs) exact opposite, I was stunned. Uh, I think it's criminal. I think there has to be an investigation. I think people have to go to jail. Whether that actually happens, I don't know. But I've never been more convinced about market manipulation and the people, the hedge funds, controlling the game than today.
3: No, oh, Yeah, Well, when the hedge funds guys manipulate the market, when the big guys manipulate the market, and that's what they do all the time, all day long, that's how they fly around in helicopters and whatnot, that's just part of the game. But a bunch of Reddit users manipulating the market. Oh, we
1: can't have that. Well, it's time to change the rules immediately and put people in jail. That's Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Uh, strangely enough,
2: correct. Yeah, he. Uh, so when the pandemic started and sports weren't there, this founder of a website that essentially talks about sports all the time, he kind of pivoted his brand and he became Davy Day Trader, and he would he would live stream every day at market open, he, him doing his day trades, yeah, and okay. he and he just kind of became. Uh, A bit of an avatar for the at-home new retail trader. Yeah, okay, good description. If
3: you weren't listening earlier, Charles Payne, the uh, financial guy, explained why short trading the way it is is so evil and how awful it is what what they do to a lot of these companies and what it does to a lot of investors because they got the bulk and the power to be able to pull it off. Uh, We'll play that again later, but um, you'll just have to take it on uh, a faith. What we just explained to you. So then, when the when the little guys try to make a point of. Of this, you know, the way they're abusing these little businesses for profit. And then when they're starting to win, somebody told somebody and places like Robin Hood said, you can't buy any more stock. We're going to stop it yesterday, right when it was at a tipping point. Possibly we got this text. Thanks for talking about this. What happened yesterday was a crime. By the way, AOC, Ted Cruz, Rush Limbaugh and Elizabeth Warren all agree that that was an awful thing to do. Wow. That's an interesting crowd right
2: there. Great. Scott. Quite the set of enemies they made in that day. That'll happen again in the
1: universe 5,000 years after we're dead.
3: Thanks for talking about this. What happened yesterday was a crime uh, perpetrated to protect institutional investors. It allowed them to cut a lot of their losses yesterday right at the moment when regular people had a foot on their neck really to make them pay for their huge mistake. Um... We buy because we're just. He uses a word I won't use. Uh, I'll go with idiots. We buy just because we're idiots who love the stock. He put in all caps as a sarcasm. Right. That's the way some of the um, Wall Street crowd is portraying it in interviews on cable news and to newspapers. These uh, new investors, they don't understand. GameStop is not a viable business going forward. You mean to tell me? Show me how GameStop is worth
1: $300 a share. Their price per earnings is completely out of. No, these people knew precisely what they were doing. And, and the guys claiming we're just trying to protect these poor fools from losing money. They know that the guys knew what they were doing. They are lying to you completely. You know, we're going to do the whole Charles Payne thing, I think, next hour. Let's, let's do 30. It's just so good and, and it explains so well what the big time Wall Street stock manipulators were doing.
3: Now, market purists and, and, and you know these rich hedge funds folks always say, "Hey, shorting is good. It helps liquidity. It keeps the market running. It's a pretty good thing."
1: What's not a good thing is if you issued Brett, if you issued ten shares and in Bread Bear Incorporated. And somebody saw that it was worth $100 and thought,
3: maybe I can drive this to a buck. It's a great company. So and somehow they were able to borrow 20 shares. Now, you only issue 10, but somehow they can borrow 20 and sell it and keep selling it and pound it and pound it and pound it and pound it it into submission. And along the way, all the investors who believe in Bread Bear Incorporated also lose their shirt. And this is what's happening. So all these Reddit people got together and thought, oh, you like doing that, do you? Well we got a plan too. Well it, it it wasn't even that specific. They
2: recognized with this specific company they they through data that was available they inferred that this company was way overshorted. Right. They, this this hedge fund overplayed their hand and we can make them pay for that right not, and not and out it'll of a flow
1: into our pockets
2: right not yeah. out of a vindictive sense but just in terms of a game theory sense there is a counter maneuver to what this hedge fund is doing Right, here's how we run it
3: mm-hmm. so this is pretty interesting so robin hood oh we got to play that ad yeah. yeah so so robin hood wouldn't allow people to trade yesterday or wouldn't allow them to buy stock to continue to, to they uh they still
2: allowed you you could sell anytime you wanted
3: <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> but you can't continue to buy which was going to continue as that one uh person participant said keeping our foot on the neck of the big guys. Robinhood stopped that. By the way, Google salvaged Robinhood's one star rating that they had by deleting 100,000 negative reviews yesterday.
1: There you go, Google. Do no evil, right, Google? <laughs> so, Hilarious. So
3: Robinhood, which was like one of the heroes to the little guy investor out there. And that's the way they, um, portrayed themselves up until yesterday at one star and the class action law and people protesting against them this is what they sounded like even last month with their TV ads
2: remember when greed was good when you had to look the part
3: when you had to pay for a seat at the table
1: we set out to change it
2: the way the system works to put the power
1: in everyone's hands to make it feel speak sound, and look just like you. We all invest every day in ourselves, our communities, our future. We are all investors. Yes. My skin is actually <laughs> crawling. company was designed to, as Sean pointed out, in a very video gamey way with confetti and bright lights and, hey, you've done it three days in a row, all that manipulation that they talk about in the Social Dilemma documentary, among other places, various books. They use that to try to get young people, hipster money, into the market for the benefit of the giant fat cats who they were pretending to oppose. I mean, even the name Robin Hood, as I often point out in the actual story, they stole from the government to give to the poor. Anyway,
3: But you don't accidentally name yourself Robin Hood.
1: No, no, indeed. Oh, my skin is crawling. And then when the little guy was actually winning, they said, Oh, our our underwriters have told us we need to uh, suspend uh, all trading. Uh, We're so sorry. Uh, And and, and we're just trying to protect you, you poor stupid people, who who know precisely (laughs) what you're doing, or at least some of them did. A lot of them did.
3: That's really an interesting story. Yeah. Um and then I read something interesting last night. I'm not sure I'm smart enough to completely understand it. But it was about how uh, Tucker made this point yesterday. A lot of the crowd that is um is sticking it to Wall Street that AOC is on the side of are people that, you know, supported Trump also, at least, you know, the early the idea of Trump in twenty sixteen. Yeah. It's just it's the rage against the machine thing that's going on all around the world. And whether it's justified or not in any in all of these circumstances, or that becomes irrelevant at some point. If you have a majority of people in the country who believe our elections aren't fair, or if you have a, a, a majority of people that did in 2016 that believed, or enough people believe that our uh, our system of government isn't fair, so you vote for an outsider like Trump or you vote for Brexit because you think the EU is a scam, or you go after Wall Street because you think it's rigged, all these different things are a lot of people, a lot of the masses, who don't believe our institutions work for them anymore. And at some point, you've got a serious problem as a society with that.
1: I would say, yeah, as a a civilization. I mean, like the entirety of Western civilization. Right, right. Yeah, and and how it ends, uh, nobody knows we've often said for there to be a serious reset of some of the the trends, the unhealthy trends, just we'll keep ourselves to this country for now. Uh, it would either take a giant war or a, a horrific pandemic. Well, <laughs> we done tried one of them, and it resets some stuff a little bit. But, boy, the powers that be, combined with Trump's own imperfections and blunders, uh, have, have halted a lot of that momentum
3: for now. It's hilarious, though. If they think that people aren't more entrenched on the idea that wall street is rigged today than they were 2 days ago boy they they misplayed that
1: yeah yeah how does the biden administration react to this because the the democrats with all due respect to the republicans ties to giant industries the democrats are owned by wall street wall street is a democrat street um, and something tells me that the reaction will be muted at best. We'll all stay tuned together, and we'll let you know what we see.
3: So what is going on with the GameStop stock today? It would have been interesting to see what could have happened yesterday <laughs> if they hadn't uh, intervened and stopped the
1: buying. Uh, CNBC happens to be on in the lunchroom, and while I was getting a little caffeine juice, I was watching the second-by-second second following of the stock. Up a tenth of a penny, down a tenth, and it was weirdly like hypnotic, <laughs> waiting to see if it'd move up. But it was kind of trading in a narrow range around 13 and a half bucks. What's it doing now? Uh,
2: so, so AMC is up fifty percent on the day. GameStop is up about sixty-seven percent on the day. Wow. Both down from previous highs, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so the the streets are fighting back. But also of note, so while while Robinhood and a lot of these apps have uh, quote unquote opened it back up to where now you can buy them, there are uh, limits that exist on numbers and various they've uh kind of reworked the ways that you could a lot of these traders were trading on margins which is a, a dangerous game to play
1: for sure oh man but, I just I just sold my house to pour uh six figures into it
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there was um so there have been kind of some uh, speed bumps put in the way of the the full flood of the 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 masses investing right. in this but yeah. but yeah
3: yeah, it seems to be a one way situation, though, where they put speed bumps
1: in. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the guys who install the speed bumps right. are the fat cats. That's Some all. surprising journalism from BuzzFeed. Dr. Carlson calls him a cat blog or a cat picture. What does he cat say? Cat blog, yeah. Cat blog, yeah. <laughs> and the New York Times, uh, of all people. I don't know whether the woke lunatics. Well, whoever wrote this article has probably been hunted down and is now missing and presumed dead. <laughs> <laughs> I fell out a window. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, surprising journalism from surprising places. Coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, yeah, I got it. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Care workers in Oregon who were stuck on the side of the road during a snowstorm yesterday walked from car to car offering the coronavirus vaccine to stranded drivers before their supply expired. So there's a lesson here, kids. If a stranger knocks on your window and offers to inject you with a needle, (laughs) you're going to want to say yes. You know, I thought about that when I first
1: heard that story, which is really cool. This stuff's going to expire. All these people are stopped in traffic. Let's vaccinate them. <laughs> Loved it. My brother just sent a picture. He got uh, he got shot. And we're all very jealous.
3: I just walked into the studio, and I'd forgotten to take my mask off, and I thought, good job, Joe Biden. That's become a thing in our house. Um, Because we were watching the debate when Trump had said to Biden, oh, yeah, and you, every time you see him, he's got a giant mask on, biggest mask you've ever seen. You can see it from 100 miles away. Yeah. Whatever. So if you leave your mask on, like, once you've gotten into the car, oh, hey, Joe Biden, you might want to take your mask off. Wow. And, and yesterday, Sam and Henry got in, into some sort of argument over, you're
1: Joe Biden? No,
3: you're Joe Biden. Oh, no, yeah, you're Joe Biden. Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> it's an insult we throw around at our house. I don't recall that sort of thing ever happening with my kids. Maybe I should have had them watch more cable. Good news. So surprising journalism from a couple of places. Number one, the New York Times. Now, don't get me wrong. This editorial by the Times board is bitterly dishonest, wildly biased, and the rest of it. Uh, I mean, for instance, uh, they're talking about Joe Biden. Well, the headline is, uh, we'll start there. He's up on the executive actions, Joe. Joe Biden. The editorial board. You're Joe Biden. You're Joe Biden. Uh, And they mention already a raft of executive orders. He's committed to rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement, which is purely symbolic, ended the Muslim travel ban, which is one of the most dishonest chapters in the history of American media, the Muslim travel ban. It was a ban of travel from countries that do a terrible job of vetting who's coming and going. Happened to be a number of African, Middle Eastern countries, tin horn dictatorships, and North Korea and Venezuela. Unbelievable dishonesty. And they go on with the list, Keystone XL pipeline, uh, halting the construction at the southern border, even though everybody knows the wall's a good idea, deferred action for childhood arrivals, blah, blah, blah. Then they point out the incredibly obvious, met with cheers by Democrats, grumbling by Republicans, how everybody switches position on executive orders when their party's in power. But finally, they get to something that's true, which uh, I hope this person hasn't been fired for telling the truth. But at the New York Times, that's the danger lurks around the bend. At all times, this is no way to make law, they say. A polarized, narrowly divided Congress may offer Mr. Biden little choice but to employ executive actions or see his entire agenda held hostage. I don't think that's true. But these directives, however, are a flawed substitute for legislation. They're intended to provide guidance to the government and need to work within the discretion granted the executive by existing law of the Constitution. They do not create new law. Though executive orders carry the force of law, and they are not meant to serve as an end run around the will of Congress. By design, such actions are more limited in what they can achieve than legislation, and presidents who overreach invite intervention by the courts. Um, But legal limitations are not the only or perhaps even the biggest point of concern. Executive actions are far more ephemeral and easily discarded than legislation. So, to summarize briefly, we veer wildly back and forth between policies, none of which... Congress actually passed his law. It's no way to run a country.
3: Yeah, there's a great example of that. I had this. Uh, bu- 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 see if I can find it. Okay, yesterday Joe Biden uh, with an executive action rescinded the Mexican City, pol- Mexico City policy. Do you know what that is? That prevents the United States Agency for International Development from providing aid to any foreign organization that provides abortions or abortion counseling. So now we can do that. Right. The tr- the rule has been implemented and then revoked by presidential administrations along party lines going back to Reagan. Wow. So since Reagan, it's either the law of the land or not going back and forth each
1: presidency. Right. Right. What's the? Wh- that's not guidance no. to the executive branch. That's changing the law. Yeah, it's a great example. And then the other thing, and I'm not sure I have time. We can get started on it anyway, but I happen to hear uh, the Nakedly Progressive Radio was interviewing uh, a bunch of people who agreed with each other, wild progressives, including this, Professor from uh, Georgetown, I think his name was Paul Butler, but he was hitting the uh, white supremacy card hard. Everything wrong with America is white supremacy. There's no chance for a black man, black woman to get ahead or have a happy life because of all the white supremacy anywhere. The fact that if this guy were a barber with his opinions, I'd be disturbed because he might you know, convince some of the people getting their hair cut of his insanity. But he's a college professor at one of the allegedly most prestigious universities in the country. And he was talking about white privilege and white supremacy. And uh, BuzzFeed, the well-known cat blog, asked people to point out privileges they have that most people don't consider privileges. And accidentally, they've utterly, I think, undermined a lot of the force of the white privilege argument. I can't wait to hear this. And we will get to it in a moment or
3: two. Love that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: it's good stuff. Because that whole critical race thing, man, if you're just tuning in you haven't heard us talking about it, it will end the country.
3: The uh, Super Bowl's not this weekend, right? Correct. Next weekend. Yep. Okay. Stay
1: tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty show.
3: A couple more angles on the whole GameStop story coming up, and we had talked about how Ted Cruz and AOC are on the same side. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Rush Limbaugh are on the same side. John, they're all, uh, they're all on that same side. John Stewart and Tucker Carlson are on the same side. John Stewart joined Twitter because of this. Yeah, got that coming up. <sighs> so stay tuned. Whoa.
1: So as I started to say in the last segment, I heard a professor from Georgetown University on Nakedly Progressive Radio this morning um and he's a hardcore angry white supremacy rules america we have to tear everything down and he got zero pushback i mean not even like gentle soft ball are you sure wow i mean just unbelievable and so unhealthy and he was making the white supremacy runs everything uh, black people i have no chance we need to tear everything down like the
3: banking system all that sort of stuff's all oh, white yeah.
1: Yeah, everything from.
3: Designed from, to keep the white person in power.
1: Yeah, really. Everything wow. from, from banking to sidewalks to air conditioning is and, white supremacy. And you, and you
3: posit that on NPR and nobody says, eh, are you sure? Right.
1: <laughs> wow. And you know, I was thinking about this. Wow. I was thinking about this during the commercial break. Sometimes those of us in this business, um, you know, especially if you're getting more listeners, new listeners all the time. And we're very grateful for that. And thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, tell your friends, please. If you don't, shut up. Mind your own business. Anyway, uh, but I thought just very briefly, I wanted to lay something out to you. It's, it's unquestionable that there are problems and barriers and, and bigotry that a person of color, a black man or woman, for instance, uh, deals with that I have not. And I'm aware of that. Racism exists. It's insidious. The history of racism in this country is awful. It's terrible. And everybody ought to learn about it. So in a very limited way, like the 1619 Project, was some pretty good historical stuff and then just loads of crap, which poisoned the rest of it. Having said that, the social justice warrior crowd, the critical race theory crowd, they want to take that those truths and so rig the game, give the referees so much power, dictatorial power over everything, it's unfathomable. It's it's sickening. It's it's the, uh, one of the most complete dictatorships that you could picture. There are ways to unknot our historical problems. Their remedy is, is awful. It would be a disaster. I mean a historical disaster. So that's where I am on this stuff. This guy was going on and on about white privilege and white fragility and white supremacy and the rest of it. BuzzFeed, the, uh, the cat blog, as Tucker Carlson uh, calls it, Ask people to point out privileges they have that most people don't consider privileges. you've heard about white privilege. Well, I want you to think about these things, how important they are, how fundamental they are, and how it doesn't matter what race you are, or to a large extent. Uh, one person said, have, having a family that loves you. I grew up in a pretty loving family. It was somewhat dysfunctional, but my mother loves me, and my sister etc. we're close, we're always supportive. That's a huge advantage. Absolutely. Being in countries where you were able to speak insults to others, criticize others, and question authority without going to jail. It's an enormous privilege. The ability to have clean drinking water, hot water, climate control like uh, heat, food available. Of course, having a bed between the ages of 8 and 10. My siblings and I had to sleep on the floor because we lived in a tiny one-bedroom apartment, etc., being able to walk alone, especially at night, without any worry at all. It's a good thing. Having affordable health care, growing up with two stable parents in the home, being right-handed. Uh, <laughs> life is so difficult for lefties. I'm left-handed. No, it's not. It's fine. Um, and then they go on, uh, you know, uh, owning a vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that bothers me about a lot of the critical race theory is it seeks to gain control of the game as opposed to dealing with some of these specifics. An intact family comes up over and over again, but nobody wants to talk about that. Mm. Um, The privileges we all have as Americans are fundamental. They're the lead in this article. Um, But this professor acted as if the only thing that matters is skin color, and everybody has to be carefully marked as to their skin color. And I uh, I will end with this, because I love the quote, and it's true in my family, Uh, to an extent that causes me a great deal of stress among my three children. Thomas Sowell said, If you cannot achieve a quality of performance or outcome among people born to the same parents, raised under the same roof, how realistic is it to expect to achieve it across broader and deeper social divisions or across, across an entire society? And And to go back to my original premise, if I can't get equal outcomes for my kids... And I'm struggling very much helping my eldest, who has some challenges. How thoroughly would the referees have to fix the game to have my two daughters have the same economic outcomes?
3: And I got two kids, it'd be impossible. Um... And then, and then if, if they end, well, they will end up with different outcomes. One will, one will do better than the other financially. And that's not the, the only thing that matters at all. Sure. Not of even course. close. Yeah. But, um, that's what things get judged on for some reason. If one of them ends up better financially, you're going to blame it because one of them had browner hair or was taller tall or, privilege. You, that's the reason. Right. You're yeah. going to come up with a reason. Well, and more importantly, that's not their effort and intelligence and stuff like that.
1: To right to to leave names out of it, you will find a way to take what child A has done and gained and give it to child B, no matter what else has happened. It's it's in because
3: child B deserves it because child A had some unfair advantage. Exactly, automatically,
1: exactly. and and even because
3: if, of the way it ended up.
1: Well, and you know you can argue from my own family. Uh, when I was growing up, we were financially quite strapped. By the time my little brother, who's about seven years younger than me, by the time he came along, uh, my dad's career had picked up steam and and we were doing better financially. Um, my brother unquestionably had a few advantages over me, but the idea that I would want to tax him or something and take it away it's it's obscene. It's ridiculous. Um, I was going to say one more thing. That's right. we have a we have a contract, so we got to say lots of things for several more years. So. Uh, <laughs> A, uh, a quick note from our friends at Simply Safe, which is the best home security option for you. I mean, according to us, we believe it, but lots of publications. And, and not only is it the best, it's less expensive, no long contracts, no messy install.
3: Yeah, the Simply's got nothing to do with the effectiveness. It's very, very effective. Simply Safe has got your back after you install this, and it's going to take you about 30 minutes to install it yourself. It's super easy. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them the most straight to your door.
1: And it is an arsenal of sensors and cameras to protect every inch of your home, whichever parts you think are most important. No long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs, and since it's a 60-day risk-free trial, there's nothing to lose. You just go to SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong to get a free home security camera because, you know, us that's right drop our names simply safe.com slash armstrong to get your free security camera today and the whole setup that's simply safe.com slash armstrong
3: um the number on two days ago so they they wouldn't allow you to buy game stop stock yesterday right when the little guys were about to really punish the big guys but the day before that using the same tools the big guys use all the time (laughs) right the day before that, the big guys who had taken the short positions had lost an estimated
1: $14.3 billion. And the great thing about, well, great, eh, the thing about that is it's not like a paper loss. The stock can bounce back or whatever. If you're in a short position and the stock goes up a certain amount, the person who loaned you that stock says, pay me now, and it becomes a real loss. Which is why they called in the, the dogs, called in the heavyweights and said, no, you're going to stop now, peons.
3: Yeah, a little breathing room here. Yeah, speaking um, of referees
1: fixing the game.
3: So Tucker Carlson and John Stewart formerly of the Daily Show all on that among other things on the way.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty show.
0: This is Trumpism come to Wall Street, just as the MAGA movement was a was a grassroots populist uprising against the Washington establishment. We now have a grassroots populist uprising against the Wall Street establishment. A bunch of geeks on Reddit uh, decided to take a stock that Wall Street was down on, that Wall Street said was worthless, that they were shorting and pushing down, as Charles Payne explained, into oblivion and make it go viral. The guy who started this all was a guy who goes by the name of Roaring Kitty. I've never seen him on on Fox Business or CNBC, uh, you know, on their business reports. And he started posting about it. And then other people started posting that they were making money. And this became like a meme. It went viral. And it's not because they like the fundamentals of the company. It was actually part of its sentimentality. There are a bunch of computer geeks who used to go to GameStop as kids and thought, hey, it would be fun to boost its stock. But also, it was an opportunity to make money while sticking it to the guys in Wall Street. And they succeeded seated and we're all talking about it. It's, it's a fascinating story.
3: You know, I'm sure we do this plenty, too. But if you, if you start to know much about a story, you realize how often the people you hear talking about a story don't know what they're talking about. I mean, so so a good chunk of that was accurate, what yes. he said. But that whole is a bunch of young people who liked going to GameStop. No, ga-
2: gamers hate GameStop. It is a reviled company. right? <laughs> it, is, it is joked about like, I'll buy a game from you for $60 tomorrow. I try to return it and then I'll sell it back for 12 like yeah, they, it is not a fond uh,
1: nostalgia thing. I like Mark Tyson, but he's definitely become what we always swore we wouldn't, which is a, a rubber of elbows and a tender of cocktail parties with the powerful we're reporting on. Nice. Uh he got that from his powerful friends. Oh no, no, no. It's just a bunch of geeks and they they don't know what they're doing.
3: So, uh there's a lot of that on uh on cable TV, but um John Stewart, you remember him from The Daily Show? He actually joined Twitter yesterday. He was not on Twitter prior to that. And to defend the renegade Reddit traders who turned Wall Street upside down this week, I'm reading from the New York Post. The former Daily Show host hit back at critics of the rogue day traders who used Wall Street bets to send GameStop's stock skyrocketing, as you know. This is bull bleep. The Redditors aren't cheating. They're joining a party Wall Street insiders have been enjoying for years, he tweeted. Don't Amen. Sh- don't shut them down. Maybe sue them for copyright infringement instead, which is pretty hilarious <laughs> nice. in a John Stewart sort of way.
1: Nice, good to have you back, John.
3: Uh, and we learned nothing from 2008. That was the whole—you y- bail out the big guys; they're too big to fail. Of course, you're 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 plenty small enough to fail whenever it's stacked the other direction.
1: We'll pass some sort of token aid for you, poor people. That'll never get to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but
3: I like that copyright infringement and the line that Tucker Carlson had, which, you know, shows that he and John Stewart are in complete agreement on this. Um, John Stewart's line was, no, they're fine with insider trading on Wall Street. They don't like outsider trading. That's what really bothers them. Outsider trading is no good. Beautiful. And so I was asking uh, this question earlier. So there was another guy I saw on the same Fox News show. He's a Wall Street Journal columnist. Do I read his column regularly? But he had this line of crap where he just said, these uh, novice traders are overvaluing GameStock. That is not a company that is worth that much money, and I think they're going to get a a sad lesson in trading soon. And I thought, wow, so you either completely don't understand what's going on, like, not even close, and you shouldn't be discussing it in public. Right. Or you're that far in league with the Wall Street crowd that you're spraying that line of crap?
1: Yeah, wow. They, yeah, it's either a, a fundamental swing and a miss on what's happening or they're they're uh, hoeing for Wall Street. But, John,
3: uh, but Sean, who reads about this sort of stuff a lot, said, no, that crowd actually believes that.
2: So for the longest time, kind of the, the hedge fund, the Wall Street class, just always considered the retail investor to be dumb money. And that is just the oh the oh these fish they don't know what they're doing these you know the 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 lazy cliches of they're just people in their mom's basement with a keyboard or whatever um, and it's really underestimating the way that internet groups crowdsource and work together to figure things out.
3: And so it reminds me of the big time politics where they're just treating you like a dumb mass that can't figure things out on their own and they can just say or do anything and we'll buy it because we're so stupid. Right. And and that, that Wall
1: Street crowd at the top, I guess, feels the same way. Yeah. And I would say politicians like the Wall Street crowd are trying as hard as they can to get everybody to do it, whether it's invest or vote, because that lowers the common denominator. And the lower the, the denominator, the more easily manipulated people are. So, you know, rock the vote and democracy and all. It sounds wonderful until you realize why they're so excited about it.
3: You've read The Wisdom of Crowds, haven't
1: you? Uh, no. I have not. No. I, I have to. read The Myth of the Rational Voter, which is interesting. Okay. Wisdom of
3: Crowds is supposed to be a good read, and I need to check out So, But do you know where the phrase originally came from? It came from a statistician in 1907 who, who was uh, into having people guess the weight of an ox. I mean, they didn't have the Internet back then, so. You, <laughs> you suppose-
2: had to do something, Sean. A good point.
1: What do you suppose that ox weighs? Oh, but- About 2,200 pounds. 2,200? 2, at least 24? <laughs> so this researcher
3: analyzed hundreds of estimates and found that while individual guesses on the weight of the ox varied wildly, the median of the entries was surprisingly accurate and within 1%
1: of the ox's real weight. Wow. That's some good ox weight guessing. And
3: he, well, not individually, but as a crowd. I know it. He ushered the theory in of a collective intelligence, or known as the wisdom of crowds, into the public conscience. Hmm. And that has tended to be true over the years, although I I find it interesting, because the wisdom of crowds is really what the free market is based on. Yes. Um... That's that's how the whole thing works. And Adam Smith talks about it. And um, but you also have uh, the mass history of populism, which is a thing also.
1: Right, yeah, I find myself reminded of the uh, all of the people who think that the COVID is one-tenth as deadly as it is for old people and 70 times as deadly as it actually is for young people. Right. So that crowd ain't real wise.
3: Or all those witches that got burned or drowned. Yes. That was not the wisdom of that crowd.
1: No, no, indeed. So the the crowd has wisdom except when they don't. So, so hey, uh, look at this. Facebook has taken down uh the popular Wall Street discussion group Robin Hood uh, Stock Traders. If you want to know what uh, side Facebook is on, as if you didn't already.
3: Well, how about the whole Google taking down all those one-star ratings for Robin Hood to try to keep the rating up higher? What was that? They're in bed. That's interesting. There is
1: no more establishment, ugly, nasty, Mr. Burns
0: (laughs) organization
1: in the world. Then big tech.
0: GameStop,
1: eh? They're young, they're hip, they wear T shirts, they have skateboards. You can you can play pool at work. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, wake up. They're they're giant evil colossuses. Unbelievable.
3: Um so uh back to the wisdom of crowds. So we're saying weighing oxes yes, determining whether <laughs> you're a witch or not, no. Yes. yes. Weighing uh beef of some sort.
1: Yes. Oh, by the way, uh, I've had two uh, two examples of brain flatulence in the n- last 10 minutes, both of which have amused me. Perhaps they will <laughs> amuse you. Uh, the first one, I took a glance at the digital clock here, and uh, my tissue, I'd been uh, blowing my nose earlier. Uh, not the vid, allergies. It perfectly, perfectly obscured the number so it looked like it was an hour earlier and that we had an hour more show to do, and I about had a heart attack. You were so
3: excited about oh. it because you want oh. there to be another hour. Sure
1: I was. Yes, I was. <laughs> and and the second thing, the second one, was because my wife is on a road trip with a friend, uh, my dog is home uh, alone for a longer period than he generally is. You're I Going to, through your wine. I had to, yeah, he's pulling it out, checking the price on the Internet. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's the one I'm drinking. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so he's uh, he's home alone and I have to feed him like an hour and a half earlier than general and then uh, I'm, I'm just slightly concerned about him and I honest to god it was not a fully formed thought, but I thought I wonder if he's doing okay. I ought to check my phone to see if he's texting. <laughs>
2: now, now okay. again okay that's a sign of something. <laughs> How much training goes into that <laughs> again well, and with his paws. Trust me. Is he just on the family data plan, or does he have his own thing? I had to have Apple design
1: me a four-foot-wide iPhone to accommodate his paws.
3: I think I could get your driver's license taken away based on that story.
1: <laughs> well, like you say, it wasn't a conscious thought. It was like, oh, I wonder if anything's going on. I better look at my phone. Then I realized, now, wait a minute, Joseph. Wait a minute.
3: And he has texted texted RUTRO. <laughs>
1: He, he sent me a pic of what he left in the yard. Check this out, dude. <laughs> oh, geez, you're so juvenile. Hey, bro, look at this. <laughs> Grow up, Baxter. Baxter, bad boy. <laughs> Daddy's at work.
3: Stop uh, it. I'm working on day three and a half with no electricity at my home because I live in Haiti. Mm. I commute in from Haiti. <laughs> you make really good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, it got windy. You can't expect to have electricity when it's windy. No, oh, it's, it's windy for like half a day, yeah. Yeah, so the power's out for days. <laughs> um, that's Man, pretty funny. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: What are you going to do? It's like when your electricity's out, and I do this all the time. Yeah, maybe I'll listen to the radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. right.
3: Walk, Nothing flip, to do I'm but like, sit here no. and watch TV. <laughs> oh,
2: no, no, that didn't work either.
3: <laughs> Hilarious. Armstrong and Getty.